Welcome to Blackhawks Insider, the official podcast of the Chicago Blackhawks, presented by ChevyDriveChicago.com. Drive what Kane and Taves drive. I'm Carter Baum, and coming up on this week's episode, Adam Burrish and I dive into the season-opening road trip to Florida, look ahead to Friday night's home opener at the United Center against the Red Wings, and later in the show, we'll be joined by sophomore defenseman Adam Boquist. All that and more coming up on Blackhawks Insider, presented by your Chicagoland and Northwest Indiana Chevy dealers. It's all about the drive. Everyone loves a hat trick. Well, your local Chevy dealer has a hat trick to get your attention. If you're in need of a new vehicle but don't want to visit a dealership, check out Chevy's shop. Click and drive. Shop online 24-7. Take delivery at home. It's simple. It's seamless. It's smart. Go to ChevyDriveChicago.com to locate your Chevy dealer and schedule a test drive today. Shop, click, and drive. Drive what Canaan Taves drive. Welcome back to Blackhawks Insider. Carter Baum, Adam Burrish here. Uh, just over a week into the NHL season, Burr, the Blackhawks, four games to their name, uh, a rough outing on their trip to Florida to open the year, three losses, an overtime uh, defeat most recently on Tuesday to the Florida Panthers. We'll dive into a lot of the different storylines coming out of that, but just your first impressions of this Blackhawks team and uh, having the league back uh, overall over the last week or so. Yeah, I, you know what? There was there was good moments, then obviously bad moments, and I think generally, if you're watching games around the league, and you know, I'll catch some different games or catch some of the Canadian games. You'll catch a lot. They obviously on TV they play a lot of the East Coast games because of timing. Um, you've seen a lot of up and down from some of the best teams and some of the bottom teams where they'll have stretches of a period of really good hockey, and while this team looks really good, and then stretches where it's not so good and. So you've seen that with all the teams, and I think that's what we've seen with the Blackhawks too, um, and it, maybe a little more so because a lot of young guys, a lot of newer players, a lot of guys in situations that they a, either didn't expect to be in or they're going to be in now, and they're getting this opportunity. And, and when you put young guys in, in certain situations that they haven't been in before, they're going to have some mistakes here and there. Um, but there has been some some neat bright spots, and I know we'll touch on a few of them. Um, you talk about Suter. You talk about Ian Mitchell. Um you know, I know we'll talk with Boquist, and you get some some great flashes, which is what which is what I think coaches and management and fans want to see. Um, but I think it, overall, if I'm a player in that locker room, and I'm sure if you ask them, you want to win every night, and that's the goal. That's what you're trying to do. And yeah, there's some good signs, but you lose a hockey game as a player, you're ticked off, and you want to win games, and that's what this team's trying to do. And and I think they'll find ways to do it. Um, I think where it starts for this team and a way you're going to pick off a quick game to win is special teams being great on the penalty kill. And then let's see if you get your five best players on the ice and they can steal a game for you. And then maybe you get some momentum. Yeah. And we talked to obviously Stan Bowman and Jeremy Carlton a couple months ago before the season started. They knew it wasn't going to be a, a run and gun from the start season. This is by all means a development year. And I think even in the first four games, we've seen that you started the first game in Tampa a week ago on Wednesday. Um, what I thought was a good opening 10 minutes and things kind of unraveled from there. You give Tampa a little power play confidence, uh, much of the same story in game two. You have a good first period kind of falls apart during stretches in the second period. And it seems to be kind of the recurring theme over these first couple games of you have some moments, as you mentioned, that are really good and you look like a team that, you know, is just missing a couple, you know, development steps from some of these players, but the pieces are there. And then there's moments where 
naturally there are mistakes that are being made and it's those mistakes that especially a team like Tampa Bay makes you makes you pay for uh, early on in the season as de- defending champs yeah and, and that's one thing I think Jeremy will do a really good job with this with this team in is he's going to stick to his structure he's going to stick to what he thinks and what this team thinks is going to be their formula for success and There'll be some learning curves in that, and it's not going to be the absolute run and gun you saw in 10 and 13 and 15 and, and fans of this team for a long time have seen. That There is going to be some of that. That's the way this team plays. That's the way kind of the NHL is now where it's not you know, crash and bang and slow hockey. It's going to be fast. It's going to be up-tempo, but you have to be structured. You have to be detailed, and if you listen to Jeremy, he talks about that as having good details, being above the puck and, and knowing when to take chances and understanding situations in the game. and. And that'll he'll keep pounding that through, and and that'll come over time. And like I said, you're seeing it across the league right now, with just about every single team is going through that. And when you got a young team, that's what you're going to see. But it's about trying trying every night to put those things in place, to try and put those systems in place. And um, as this team goes, uh, they'll learn. And young guys being in situations, that's the only way to get better at it. That's the only way to to mature as a player is to be in that situation. And then the next time you are Maybe you have that puck, and instead of throwing it up the middle, trying to make a, a a cute pass out of your own zone, maybe you chip that puck out, and you've learned from that situation. It doesn't happen again, but you're going to make mistakes as a young guy, and I, and I like that we're getting young guys in situations. You're making them uncomfortable a little bit. You're making them feel a little bit of pressure, and they'll and they'll get better for that. You touch on young guys, and I mean, we talked to him last week right here on the show. Ian Mitchell, his first four NHL games, and. Man, he looks very natural out there. He looks comfortable. He looks, you can tell at moments that this is truly an NHL defenseman. Yeah, he has a couple moments where maybe he turns the puck over. He gets, you know, caught maybe trying to pinch a little too much on on a play here and there. But by all means, Ian Mitchell looks to be the real deal for this team. Yeah, when we talked to him on this podcast, just the way he speaks, the way he carries himself, the way he handles himself, just a mature player. And when, I, when I'm talking about situations as a young player and learning from him, that's something that he's going to figure out. Well, should, should I pinch here or not? And he want to be aggressive. And he said that. He goes, I'm not going to sit back. I'm not going to tiptoe into games. I'm going to use my instincts. And sometimes those instincts are wrong because it worked in college. It's not going to work in the NHL. But I, I like when a player takes chances. They, they step up. Coaches love that too, that I'm going to, I'm going to trust myself here. And it may be the wrong decision, but I'm going to go hundred percent at it. I'm going to go full in. And if I make a mistake, fine, I'm going to learn from it. What coaches don't like is when you keep making the same mistake over and over and over and over again, that's when you get benched. That's when you get sat and you get to watch from the press box. But if you're going to take a chance and you're going to go for it, go for it, go hundred percent at it. And if it's a mistake, the next time you're in that situation where if you're a defenseman pinching at the blue line or pinching in the neutral zone or lunging at a guy, maybe you just back off and live to fight another day. And if you see young guys doing that and learning from it, that's a real good sign. And Ian Mitchell's a guy, it's a perfect example of that uh, as a guy that he's going to make mistakes, but he's not going to make them two or three times in the same game again and again. He's going to make them once, then he's going to move on and he's not going to let it linger. And and we've heard Jeremy say that too, that I got young guys that uh, I, I'm okay with them making mistakes, but I want them to learn from it. And, um, and I think this uh, Jeremy does a good job with kind of monitoring, we've seen the last couple of years with young defensemen, especially Boquist is a perfect example of a guy that he's going to let him make some mistakes, but if it keeps happening, he's going to sit him out. He, he says, use it as a teaching tool, come and see some video, watch a game. And then I'm going to throw you right back in there. And you're probably going to go back on the power play again, which, which gives some young guys some confidence. 
we've heard a lot about Ian Mitchell over the years, but a guy who maybe has flown under the radar until the last couple of months or so, Philip Kurashev, he makes his NHL debut uh, on the Florida trip, ends up scoring his first NHL goal uh, on Tuesday night, just kind of a, a broken play. His team was going for a change, just threw it on net and it, it happened to go in, but he's had some really key moments and you can see just his offensive skill out there as well. Uh, Philip Kurashev looks like a guy who, got a chance during a game and is now holding on to a roster spot as a very bright spot on the offensive front. Yeah, you see why you can see why Stan and the staff were excited about him and thought he had some real positive upside and um you know a guy that plays with some in- instinct out there. Um kind of lets it rip at times, but I, I know, you know, coaches when you're a player it's annoying sometimes when they always say just throw pucks at net and you never know what can happen and you see the game now where guys want to make plays because they're so skilled. And, you know, when I was playing, it was a lot more direct. It was, you know, your bottom six guys, just get pucks in, dump them in, throw them at the net, crash and bang. We're now all, all 12 forwards can make plays and they're all skilled. And so you want to encourage guys to do that. But early on in the season, um, you know, I keep talking about other games around the league, but when you hear coaches and players talk, they're all saying, let's try and simplify. Let's not try and make that perfect backdoor pass. Let's just throw some things on that because, hey, listen, goalies are struggling too right now. Goalies, you'll have some of the top goalies in the league that'll have two good games and then they'll have a stinker their third game because they're figuring out timing and they're probably tired. They're probably sore too from playing so many games uh, in such a short period. So, I like Kurashev's game. I like the goal that he scored, throwing something at the net, and and a good thing happens for him. So uh, he's another bright spot, another young guy that um, that'll be fun to watch develop. You touch on keeping it simple, and in one ways, uh, what I'm about to say is a way of keeping it simple because you just get the puck to Patrick Kane. But when you really? talk about a guy like Puce Suter, uh, we saw on Sunday what I think would have been just a fantastic goal, taking a page out of Patrick Kane's book and Denny Savard's book himself, uh, a spinorama pass, finds Patrick Kane you know, on the weak side off a rush, a beautiful goal, uh, all just to be called back because Kane was just a couple inches off sides off the rush, but just a, a moment of brilliance from another newcomer who he's played a couple years pro, but a really nice addition to this group and um, seems to, at least through a couple games, really truly be following in the footsteps of uh, Dominic Kubelik. And we, I mean, we talked about it last week coming over from Europe, but just uh, it's an adjustment to the smaller ice, but you can see just his skill set there already. And um, you can see why the Blackhawks brought him in in the off season. Yeah. A, a credit to the Blackhawks scouting staff. And you can kind of see, and you, you see it year after year when you get a little formula for success as, as a scouting group or as a management group, um, where you can pick off a guy that's 24 years old, that's played some professional hockey for a while, then you bring him over to the NHL as a, quote, rookie, um, you're a step ahead. You're not an 18-year-old rookie. You're a, you're, you're a mature kid. You're, you're mature in your body. You're confident in your game. You play professional hockey against men for a while, and, and you see that in this game. And you talk about him playing with Patrick Kane and getting shifts with Patrick Kane. And if you read between the lines when you hear Kane or talk, uh, if he brings up certain players – and, and kind of praises their skill and the way they see the game and their poise with the puck and making plays, um, that tells you that he likes playing with that guy and he thinks there's some real potential in that player. And, and he had a couple nice quotes about him and the way he played um, about that, not just that goal, but the way he played the last couple games. Um, so you can tell that his teammates 
uh, notice his skill level. They see it every day in practice. And then when it translates into a game and, and you happen to read some quotes about it, that tells you that uh, his teammates uh, appreciate his game and, and they think it's a, he's a guy that uh, fans should keep an eye on. We've talked a little bit about kind of the ups and the downs and some of these young players, but one thing that is really clicking for this Blackhawks team right now is the power play. Yeah. They have goals in four straight games on the man advantage. The first time that's been done to start a year for the organization since uh, the 2012-2013 season, another shortened campaign uh, that time by the lockout and one that was a pretty special year for the Blackhawks uh, with such a long unbeaten streak to start the season. But the power play just seems to be clicking and it's not even just one unit. It's both units. You have Alex to in the first two games um, or in two of the games really uh, finding his spot on the left dot. You have Dominic Kubelik with a two goal night, both power play goals on the flip side, on the right side with the second unit. Um, you know, Jeremy Carlton has this power play set up as there's a one unit that moves the puck around. You've got Patrick Kane, um, Alex Dabrinkit, Dylan Strom, Andrew Shaw moving the puck around really quick, trying to find those open lanes. And then what he calls the shooting unit, the second unit, uh, very obviously centers around getting the puck over to Dominic Kubelik so he can put his absolute cannon of a one-timer towards the goal. And he had at least five shots on the power play on, on Tuesday night, and two of them went into the back of the net. Yeah, that's pretty pretty standard in the NHL now where you load up that first power play with your five best players. Uh, and sometimes, you know, you got six or seven best players, and, and Kubelik's one of those five or six best players for sure, but he gets slid to the second unit. But you load up that top unit, you let them be pretty, make plays. And that second unit, uh, every team I've been on, when if you if you listen to me, I, I listened into those meetings. I wasn't in those meetings. I was listening to the power play meetings. And the second units were, were generally always, your job is to pound pucks, get pucks to the net. This is a shooting power play. Hit, it, hit, hit the puck hard and then go get it and do it again, reload, pound it again. And that's what we're seeing right now. Uh, the first unit's been great. And I love um, – I love the way Debrinket started the year. The goal scorers need to score to get confidence. Um, you know, he didn't have the kind of year goal scoring wise that he wanted. I thought he played well last year. He just didn't have the numbers. Uh, one of those kind of almost snake bit, hit a lot of posts in the playoffs. I think one of the games he hit two posts, um, was just having uh, fighting it a bit. Uh, this year he started off well. He seems confident, um, and that's great for this Blackhawks team to get him confident. But I've liked that first part. Play. And I love Andrew Shaw being back in front of the night. I love that Jeremy did that. Um, if you're going to steal some games early here, I, I, I do think the power play is going to have to be big. And I like that you kind of lean on your veteran guys. At one point, we did see put Duncan Keith back on the point, took Boquist off and put Keith there, uh, which which translated into some success again. We saw that last year a few times. I like getting young guys that experience at the point and getting Boquist out there. But if you want to, you, you could see where Jeremy said, all right, I got to we got to try and get this going. Let's go back to these veteran guys and get Duncan Keith out there a goal ends up happening. So I've liked the power play. I think that's been kind of the one consistent spot uh, in this team in the first four games. And then if you go on the other end of the ice, uh, you've got in between the pipes, we've had four games. We've seen three different net minors. We knew all three were going to get a, a look this season based on conversations going into the year. Uh, Malcolm Subban starts the year in goal. Uh, Colin Delia comes in, starts the next two games. Kevin Lankinen makes his NHL debut on Tuesday night most recently. All three of them have had their moments where they've made some incredible stops. Uh, Malcolm Subban with the blade of his stick uh, in the opener. Kevin Lankinen stops a, a three-on-one with a post-to-post -post save on Tuesday night in overtime. 
uh, Colin Delia had several big stops there as well, but they've also each, as you would expect, some inexperienced goalies to have, just like we talk about the skaters. They've had some moments where they've had some blunders, some mishandling of the puck, uh, just either out of position a little bit, losing track of the puck when it's in the crease, just learning moments there, just like you would on any other position on the ice. Um, but all three goalies look to have at least something going for them. And, and despite giving up five goals in each of the first four games, it's not all on the goalies in each one of them. You can see a little bit that the tools are there and you can kind of see what the Blackhawks have seen in these guys and really just want to kind of see what each of them can do at the NHL level. Yeah, I think you nailed it. And I think this is, we're going to see this for a while, um, for, for certainly for the next month. Um, we're going to see a rotation. We're going to see different goalies. We're going to see flashes of great goaltending, and we're going to see some that they they probably should have stopped. But as a coach, what those guys want uh, is they want someone to take this thing. And these three goalies, they've all got a great opportunity um, to be NHL starters. And you, you want to see if one of them, you know, quickly develops, quickly finds some rhythm. Um, I guess the position you can, you can kind of compare it to another sports is a pitcher in baseball where all of a sudden something clicks for them and they get two or three good pitches that are working. And next thing you know, they're a star, uh, in the MLB. And it's the same with goaltenders. A lot of times goaltenders kind of come out from nowhere. They, they're usually older. They've usually, you know, cut their teeth in the minors, worked their way up. You look at Jordan Binnington who won the Stanley cup with the St. Louis blues. I mean, he was six or seven years in the minors from the East coast league to the American league. And then all of a sudden he gets his shot, uh, takes over Josh Allen's spot in St. Louis, and now he's an all-star goalie. And, and you hope that you've got some guys in one of these three that it, it kind of finds that rhythm and finds that confidence and is able to just take off and be that starting goalie. And, and you kind of the carrot as a professional athlete that, that gets dangled in front of you is a big contract. And, and a goaltender is a high-paid position. And if you're a guy that can – that can solidify that spot and be one of the best 30 goaltenders in the NHL. Well, you get a nice contract in front of you and, and you're now the starting goaltender for the Chicago Blackhawks. And that's what this organization wants. That's what the coaches want for one of these guys to grab the reins and throughout training camp. You heard the coaches talk about that. We're going to give everybody an opportunity here. Every one of these three goalies is going to get a chance. They're going to get a turn to play. And who wants to take it? And if you play good, you're going to play again the next night. If you, if you play good, you're going to play the next night. And, um, We've seen, I think you've seen the goaltenders play like the team has. And yeah, five goals a game. You can't hang them all on the goaltenders. You want them to make the saves they should. And you, you hope one of these guys um, gets some confidence and feels good in the game. A team plays good in front of him. And then you, you let him run three or four games. I want to get your input because for so long, a lot of the, the veterans on this team have played with Corey Crawford. They know his tendencies. They know what he's going to do behind the net. Um, playing a puck or in certain situations where he's going to be. But when you have three new guys and guys that you haven't played with a whole lot of time, how long does it take to kind of build that rapport, build that chemistry? And it's not only with one guy, you have three guys that played very different styles of hockey uh, in between the pipes. I mean, how do you kind of build that chemistry and kind of learn each other's tendencies and start to continue to build on that as this season goes along? 
Yeah, well, a little bit. You get it in practice. Uh, you understand some goalies are better than others at playing the puck. That's just the way it is. Um, you know, when, when Corey first came into the league, he didn't like playing the puck a whole lot. And then by the end, he was one of the best puck players. So they, they work on it in the summers. I think it's just more confidence from the goaltender. Obviously, if you if you go to a practice or you sit in a meeting with the coaches or the, with the defensive group, they always talk a lot about communication. And and they I, I don't know, usually you have two key words as a defenseman to your goaltender when you go back to play a puck and it, it may be strong side or weak side, which is f- or forehand or backhand or, you know, up or back, um, depending on what, what, what terms they, they want to use. Um, and so once you kind of get those and you know, which, which way the goalie likes to play the puck also, some goalies don't like playing it on their backhand. So they get it and they fire it up the wall, the forehand side every time. And that's fine, but just being predictable as a goaltender and understanding the confidence they have, but it's also, it's no different than what we just talked about with their confidence in, in stopping pucks and angles and being calm. Same with playing the puck is you you just want to find the guy that has some confidence and then defensemen they don't care anymore. They're comfortable. Just make the right play with the puck. Don't put me in a tough situation. If you got to rim it, defensemen don't care because they don't want to get a lot of the times, if you're just going to give them a little soft roller, they're going to get pasted by a four checking player, the other team. So just don't put me in a tough spot. If you're a goaltender and uh, just move it. Um, but again, you want one of these goaltenders to, to take some leadership back there too with the puck and, and, and just make a confident play once they have, once they have to touch it. I think Colin Delia said it best after, the second game, he had a little blunder behind the net trying to pass it back to Duncan Keith, didn't put enough on it. You know, a, a scramble in front leads to an empty netter goal, basically. And less than 30 seconds later, he had another chance to play the puck, got out and played it and said after the game, look, I just wanted to get out there and touch the puck, kind of put that in the back of my mind because the longer that just kind of festers in the back of your mind without touching it, the worse it's going to be. So um, just picking up and moving on. Uh, and moving on is what the Blackhawks are going to try to do. Um, starting Friday night, their first home game at the United Center. Uh, And it's a foe that the organization knows very well, not so much in the past few years, playing the Detroit Red Wings just twice a year, but a long storied rivalry between these two teams. And uh, Burry, you're a big part of the team back in the late 2000s up till 2010 that took the torch from the Red Wings and uh, started to run with it. What do you remember about just this rivalry and these two great original six franchises. Yeah, it was, um, you know, I, I think to where, you know, where this game is coming up at home against the Red Wings. And the the thing that is, is that sucks right now, to be honest, is no fans being there because that was, a, that was as much or more so of the rivalry with the fans there than it was the players on the ice. Now the first couple of years when I was there, there was some hatred between the players um, anytime you're playing, you know, kind of, they were the champs at that for a long, long time and you got excited to play them, but it was a different feeling because the fans made you feel even more of a hatred as a player because of their Detroit sucks chance and, and Detroit fans would come and they'd be kind of yelling back and forth and they, they had a good following. And so when they scored, they would, there was a decently loud cheer in the United center and that made it fun. Um, so now with no fans, it's going to be a little different and they haven't played against each other in the wild. The Red Wings have struggled a bit as of late, but there are a little bit, some similarities now in their team and the Blackhawks where they're, they're getting a lot of new young guys, some opportunity. Um, and so, but anytime you play the Red Wings, I, you know what, the, it's a team that's been so good for so long. It'll be like the, the Penguins for a long time going forward now where, you know, anytime you're going to play the Penguins, you're going to get excited. Anytime people play the Blackhawks or teams play the Blackhawks, you get up for that game because of what this organization's done for so long. And it's the same with the Red Wings still. Um, but what I remember most was, was 
the excitement you'd got around the rink from the fans and from 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 the intensity they brought uh, from warm-ups right through the game and that's what that's what really made it fun was the players and the fans all together wanting to beat Detroit so badly so um, th- those were fun games fun rivalries and and the playoff series I never remembers you know for the last decade almost uh, especially in the early early 2010 2013 2015 those kind of times some great great playoff series you touched on uh, a little awkward without the fans at least to start the season it'll be an empty united center um which i mean we've talked about it on the show before it's an iconic moment in the nhl hearing the anthem inside the united center and i know as a as a blackhawks player we've heard it time and time again that that anthem the crowd cheering that moment gets you amped up for a game how unique is it going to be in an empty United center hearing the anthem and and not having that, uh, especially for some of these guys who've heard it for so long. And then maybe some of these rookies who have dreamed of that moment for so long and now um, aren't going to get the full experience just quite yet. It's going to be you know, quite an awkward experience or quite a different experience inside the United center on Friday night. And one that uh, I think everyone in the organization hope um, for all the right reasons doesn't have to, be the case for too long yeah um yeah it'll be the first time a lot of the guys hear the anthem in the united center but i don't think it counts it doesn't count as the first time yet because uh, there are no fans there and you know some of my you know coolest memories playing for the blackhawks and then moving on to a couple different teams was seeing young guys experience that for the first time and you know they're kind of you're looking around and they're having fun warm-ups was cool it was fun and then all of a sudden you get the game started and the, uh, the starting lineup gets announced and you go back to the bench and then there's a kind of a second of quiet. And then all of a sudden the anthem hits and Jim Cornelius and belts this thing out. And that first note, the crowd starts going crazy. And, and uh, I'm not exaggerating when you say you, you would look down the bench and you'd see young guys, uh, you know, start tapping their feet or get a little nervous and kind of like almost they, they look around like, what the heck is this is cool. Or you'll see a big smile out of a young kid. Um, or he'll kind of like elbow the guy next to him, like, look, this is unbelievable. This is cool. And, um, and you're not going to get that and that, you know, that's sad, but they'll get it and that'll come and, and there'll be fans back hopefully soon and they'll get to experience that. But, um, it's always fun to watch young guys experience that for the first time and, and kind of see them get nervous or get excited or a big smile. Um, it's a pretty, it's a pretty neat moment at the United Center always. And I, you know, and you and I were talking a couple of weeks ago, Carter, and you had said, um, you were there when they did a run through for the first game and you said, it, you, you, maybe you could talk, but you said it was really awkward hearing the anthem and hear, hearing Jim Cornelius and sing, but nobody there. Yeah. It's, uh, it was the scrimmage at the United center that the team had during training camp. Of course, no fans there, just media, just a couple media members there, not even the full contingent, um, just based on local guidelines and, and trying to keep everyone safe. But it was it was different. You get used to something for so long uh, in so many ways. It was just, it was very different. Um, and there's, it's it's almost like going back to any other NHL arena where you hear the anthem played and it's um, pretty quiet. There's no Jim Cornelison on the ice uh, physically there, but just hearing the anthem go, a very unique experience to know that you're standing inside the United Center, what that moment um, generally means. And it's such a, a poignant moment for not only Blackhawks fans, but players around the league, around the world um, who have seen that moment. It was very uh, it was very surreal to be inside the United Center hearing the national anthem 
and not hearing the crowd behind it, not seeing the crowd behind it. But um, like you and I both said, we we hope it doesn't last for too long. We know exactly why it's happening, and it's by all means the right call currently. But we hope uh, we hope very soon that fans will be able to enjoy that moment and also the games once again, uh, hopefully soon. Yep, exactly, and and players to experience that too because it is a it is a special special feeling. Well, one of the guys who uh, got to experience that last year for the first time, Adam Boquist, he joins us now on Blackhawks Insider. We'll send it over to the sophomore defenseman right now. Gonna pry his way through a couple of checkers. It's finally captured by Nylander out for Boquist. It's out. He scores. First NHL goal for Adam Boquist in just his fourth period in the league. And the Hawks come through to take the lead. Well, Adam, uh, the other Adam, Adam Burrish and I were were just talking about Friday's home opener. Uh, first off, I just want to ask you, how exciting is it to be back playing inside the United Center, uh, but also probably a little different without fans that you know won't be there this year? But I'm sure it's a, a little bittersweet to be home in your own confines, but uh, kind of missing an important element as well. Yeah, thank you for having me. But yeah. Obviously, it's going to be nice to be back home. You know, you want to play at home in your barn. But obviously, we're missing the sixth player, you know. Uh, we wish we had the fans there because, yeah, they were so so good to us before the COVID pandemic started. But hopefully soon when everything is back to normal or I don't know what normal is now these days, but hopefully soon the fans can be allowed in the building and that's going to it's going to be good for us i think we had you on one of our first episodes with myself and uh myself and burr probably 18 months ago it was development camp 2019 you and kirby doc were uh, both on the episode at the same time kind of getting your your feet wet development camp you know so much ahead of you what have the last 18 months 18 months been like for you i mean i'm sure you couldn't have imagined getting as many nhl games as you did last year everything that's happened since and, and now heading into your second season, how much have you been able to grow and, and develop not only as a player, but as a person as well since the last time uh, we had you on the show? Uh, yeah, I think that was uh, me and Kirby didn't even know each other very well as well. Uh, you know, we just had seen each other for like two or three weeks. So, uh, but now we're like, yeah, very good friends. So, and like for me personally, I think uh, I've been learning a lot, you know, from playoffs and like playing with no fans and like playing with fans and and even for me as a person, like how like how good you have to take care of the body and like eat healthy and like it's totally different from juniors and like back home in Sweden. Uh, but I think overall, you know, my game has been up and down. You know, I'm still young. I'm learning. I'm for me as an offensive D-man, it's going to take time to me to learn. But, yeah, I'm just going to find a way to play good every night, uh, every shift, and win games for the team, you know. That's that's what we everyone want, you know. Uh, so, yeah. I, but I think I have a lot more, like, steps to take in my career. And, uh, and uh, yeah, that's – I'm looking forward to this season now. Uh, we only play four games. but. Hopefully tomorrow we can get the first win. You mentioned a little bit of the up and down nature of the last, I guess the first part of this season, maybe even dating back a little bit 
towards the end of last year, the playoffs. But what have the conversations been like with the coaching staff of, you know, they fully understand that you're young, you're still developing, you have a lot to learn, as you said. But what have those conversations been like? Jeremy's been very open with the media and saying, look, you know, mistakes are going to happen. And it's all about kind of growing from those moments. What, what if, what's kind of the support you're getting uh, internally from the coaches through video, um, positive reinforcement? What are you seeing from them? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, the coaches have been very good to me uh, from last year in the playoffs and like in the season, you know, I, I like to watch video, like what I do good and what I do wrong, you know, or what I can do better and stuff. And I think, uh, yeah, me and Thomas Mattel has been going, like, watching video a lot, you know. So, because I want to be better. I want to be one of the top guys in the league, you know. So, it's a long way there. And you're not going to do, you're not, you, you're going to have, going to do mistakes to, like, get up there, you know. But I think, yeah, overall, they have been very good to me and help, they want to help me. They're believing in me. And, yeah, it's just up to me. I think you touched on the video there. We had Jeremy Carlton on the show a couple months ago, and he was trying to take us inside some of how he coaches players through video. Uh, and one interesting note that I that I took away from it was he said in a specifically with meetings with you, just to help you be comfortable, they almost become bilingual meetings. Can you can you take us through that process of him allowing you to speak in in Swedish and? You know him going back to you in in English, just kind of making sure you're as comfortable as as possible. Yeah, uh, yeah. When we do meetings, uh, sometimes uh, I can speak Swedish to him, and he say it back in English and stuff. So it's kind of funny, but it's uh, it's different. But with uh, with Thomas, we we do it in Swedish. If yeah, no one's around and no one can know understand what we're saying. But yeah, with Jeremy, it's. Uh, yeah, it's it's different to talk uh, Swedish and then get back in English. Does it take a minute to get the brain to realize that? I couldn't even comprehend that. I'm not fluent in another language, so I can't even begin to think about it. But uh, how, how unique is that situation? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. Because I don't think he was in Sweden for too long, just a few years. So it's pretty good that he can understand uh, Swedish uh, that fast. I'm sure it makes it a little more comfortable for, for you as well. Now we saw, um, in the Blackhawks, uh, TV off season feature, your, your training ground. We got a little inside glimpse of how you've been able to prepare for your second season coming into it. You touched on, you know, being back home in Sweden for some time. What were you doing this off season to really prepare, um, for this second year, having a full firsthand knowledge of what it takes to be an NHL player day in and day out? Uh, yeah, I was in back home in Sweden for uh, for a few months. I think most of like every gym was open there, so I just had to be smart, you know, go go in the right like time, not like when I know a lot of people's gonna be there and stuff. But other than that, you know, I worked out a lot with my trainer, and uh, I was getting like my nutrition uh, as well. But overall, I think I'm still, like, learning how my body is working, you know. It's just my second season here in the NHL, and uh, I think it's going to take some time. But, you know, it's 82 games, but not this season. It's only 56, so uh, – and but it's going to come – it's going to be, like, game after game. So you got to be smart and, like, 
real, very take care of your body. Yeah, I think. And even like for me, I talk to Dunks almost every other week. Yeah, and see what he was up to and everything. He's touch base there. You mentioned Duncan Keith, and I know you have a good relationship with him on the ice. But as it relates to like you said, getting making sure you take care of your body. What are those conversations like with him? Because I know he's someone who, at, at even his age, is a physical specimen, just uh, very strong, always focusing on getting stronger, getting bigger, making sure he's taking care of his body to continue to play at an elite level uh, into his late 30s now. Yeah, it's just unbelievable to see him uh, day in and day out. You know, he's still one of the top players in the league and he's taking care of his body. Like he's, he, he's strong and he's, uh, yeah. And he's 37. He said, so he's, he told me I'd come over to him in, uh, in Penticting uh, one, one week after, after the season and see how he trains and stuff. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we'll find out if that's going to happen. But other than that, I think, uh, you know, it's just amazing to see everyone like how how good they take care of the body and like after games they working out and stuff and they like yeah just it's it's cool to see we've seen you through a couple games this year taking a larger role on the power play unit really working out there with that first group to get the puck moving get it moving around um just try to find some open lanes what's that been like for you to have that added role uh, on the special teams unit and and having some success early on. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, obviously you wanna you wanna play power play if you're an offensive D man. You know, you wanna be be in there and create and uh, score some goals and uh, make some good plays. And I think we've been pretty good. Uh, you know, we didn't even play any preseason games or anything like that before the first game. So it was just right on. So. Hopefully we can keep up with the, with a good power play. I think we have been scoring in every game, right, so far. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Hopefully we can build on that, and obviously we're gonna get more comfortable with each other out there uh, the longer season goes. And I think special team is uh, is very like very good if you want to play win a lot of games. I think the special teams. Uh, gonna have to be good uh, overall you know so we're just gonna keep build there and uh, hopefully we can score some more goals you touched on not having preseason games to get ready on the power play uh, i'm interested in how that also translates on the other end of the ice you guys have three relatively new goalies um this season i mean uh, malcolm suban was around towards the end of last year colin Daly has been in the system for a little while but What's it been like adjusting to all three of those goalies? We've seen all three of them play over the opening week of the season. What does, uh, I won't ask you who your favorite is off the top, but what's the difference of playing with each one and, and what does each one of them kind of bring to the game that's maybe unique from the others? Yeah, that's a good question. I've, I feel like uh, all three goalies are very good. They're young, uh, they're learning it like me, but I feel like... Uh, you know, if you like as a demon, you like to feel like they're it's safe behind you, and I feel like that has been uh, that uh, these uh, first four games. And uh, you know, if you want to go down and like get a puck, you always know it's gonna come on your stick. And 
yeah, I think uh, overall they have been pretty good, actually. Uh, they look good in camp as well. And I'm excited to see uh, to see uh, in the future as well. And, and I like as well when everything have been playing out there. There's a lot of competing out there. I, I guess, uh, you know, you always want to be the first starter. And now when they have play all three goals, so... Uh, it's a lot of competing out there, and every, they want to be good every practice and every game. So, what do you see from that competition? I mean, I'm sure it's friendly at times, but at the same time, you're competing head to head with these guys for that starting job and a job overall. I mean, what have you seen through the opening couple of weeks from those three who, you know, I'm sure off the ice are all very um, nice and positive individuals, but there's got to be a little a little bit of that fine line between them, right? uh yeah yeah i feel like off the ice everyone is uh, everyone is so nice you know kevin just had had his first nhl debut here and i think he looked great even like deals and suban looks good as well you know and even for like kevin he hasn't played a game in, in like almost a year so it's not easy to just jump in and get a shout out but when they competing and we're competing like everyone is competing you don't want to lose your your job, you know. So I feel like that's a good motor for for a team. You touched on off the ice. I know, um, if I'm not mistaken, you're living with a teammate this year in Alex Debrinket. Yes. What's that? Uh, what's that been like? What's that dynamic been like? And I'm sure uh, I, I, the Blackhawks holiday video. It looked like he was putting you to work out there, yeah. uh, doing a lot of chores around the house. Yeah, he's always putting me in work. <laughs> no, it's kidding. He. I th- him and Lindsay is uh, they're very like nice to me because they let me stay here and stuff. And they got two dogs as well, so it's it's full house here. But I got the basement, so I, if I don't want to hear them anymore, I just go down in my room. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you got the basement. Yeah, I, got- I think Kirby has the basement at Seeb's place. Uh, which which basement's nicer? Uh, I think yeah. Seep's house is a little bit bigger, but I think uh, this basement <laughs> is be- better. <laughs> better company, I'm sure. You touched on yeah. the two dogs. Uh, everyone loves to see some some Ralph and Bert on Instagram. Are you the fun uncle in the house? Do you kind of try to spoil them a little bit? <laughs> yeah, it's actually Bert's birthday today. He's one year old today. Oh, but wow. yeah, he's very big. But yeah, it's always nice to like come home and play with the dogs. I got a dog at home as well. Uh, so it's nice to like if you don't want to think about hockey, you can play with the dogs, go for a walk with them, and stuff. So it's it's always nice to have uh, Bert and Ralph at home. Any big birthday plans for Bert tonight? Yeah, I think uh, Lindsay and Alex is making ice cream for Bert right now. So Are they Ralph- making ice cream for Adam too. Uh, no, no ice cream for me. Game tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good answer. That's a good yeah. answer. Well. Uh, Adam, we, we appreciate the time. We'll let you get back to the birthday festivities for young Bert. A happy birthday to Bert. And uh, we we appreciate your time and good luck tomorrow in the home opener. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. That will do it for this week's episode for Adam Burrish. I'm Carter Baum. A special thanks once again to Adam Boquist for joining us ahead of the home opener. And a very special uh, happy birthday to Bert DeBrinkett celebrating his first birthday uh, in the DeBrinket Boquist household. That'll do it for this week's episode. We'll see you next time on Blackhawks Insider, presented by ChevyDriveChicago.com. 
drive with Canaan Tapes Drive.